A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Second Age Podcast, where the Lorehounds, your guides to Tolkien's world of Middle-earth. I'm David. And I'm John. And this is a special trailer reaction recording that we're doing. Uh, John, before we get into that, I guess we should say that this is going to drop concurrently with our pre-recorded material that's coming out every Monday. Where are we in that segment, right? In that stuff right now? This coming Monday, which is August 2nd, uh, we're going to be diving into the elves, their origins, what they're like, uh, and there's going to be a flow chart that you guys can follow. I'm going to do a TikTok on that, too, and uh, it'll help you sort of identify some of those factions of elves and understand where their motivations are. Cool. And um, I guess this is just a quick reminder, too, that um, our last episode, which will drop the Monday before uh, Rings of Power starts... You can send us feedback, questions, comments, um, predictions. You can bet some internet points if you want. And you can send those emails to secondage at baldmove.com. And then we'll collect all of those things. We're collecting things from the uh, Discord as well. And that's a good reminder that if you go to baldmove.com, you can get a link to the Discord. And we have a Lord of the Rings channel in there where John and I are pretty active. And we got some great community members talking about all this kind of stuff. Um, and I think we're releasing this just out on our Dug Too Deep and Lorehounds podcast feeds. So you want to make sure that you're subscribed to those because I think in August we're going to have some more cool content that uh, it's going to be exclusive on those feeds. Sure is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about the San Diego Comic-Con uh, trailer, teaser, main teaser trailer or something. Like this is so confusing. I think they finally ripped the trailer Band-Aid off. They're finally here. <laughs> They're ready to be honest with us. I guess we know why they called it a teaser last time. Right. Like, so we weren't sure that they were going to drop anything at San Diego. And the week before, they gave us a really meaty teaser, which was really good. And if that had been it, I would have been satisfied. But nope, they, they dropped something in Hall H where they had uh, a big panel and, and lots of press and media and, and exclusive images. And I guess this is the official trailer and everything before has been teasers. 
Yep, and Jim did ask us, are we going to cover it if they drop another trailer at San Diego Comic-Con, <laughs> to which you said, I think we're going to have to. So here we are, everyone. <laughs> exactly. Now, I think it's important to point out, this is there's a huge, just the volume of information is incredible. All of the still, I mean, up from when they first started till now, we have tons of production stills. We've got multiple teasers and little looks and, and articles and things like that. And last, uh, for the main teaser, which is what that's called, we did a quick reaction. And then this time we said, hey, let's slow down a little bit. Let's take this, break it down. So, John, um, you put together a great PowerPoint. We've got screenshots and we're going to go over this um, frame by frame almost. Yep. We're going to have to go through it. There's a lot of really quick shots. Uh, I I did my best to identify them. And uh, for other ones, we can just speculate and have fun. That sounds good. Okay, let's get started with our opening scene. And here we have a vision of Galadriel placing a helmet on a pile of helmets in a battle-scarred wasteland. Yeah, she's looking pretty uh, downtrodden here. I don't know what kind of battle this was, but I guess we're going to see something either in a flashback or in the present. Um, Interesting to note, she looks very clean. So (laughs) this is not recent. That's true. And I... I don't wonder, we see a battle scene later and we'll talk about it. I don't, I, I, I personally, my, my personal theory is, is that this is the aftermath of that battle where we see a close up of a guy fighting with some orcs. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. All right. So then we next, uh, jump over to a shot of this forested elf city that we've seen before. Yeah. I think that's somewhere in Linden again. Remember we talked about that last time where Gilgalad rules. Right. Oh, and we should mention, too, we've got the dialogue, too. So when Galadriel was talking in the last one, she says, we thought the war at last was ended. So so uh, there was a war. It's not over. Uh, they thought it was over, but it, it's really not. Yeah, I think she's referring to the war with Morgoth at the end of the First Age, which was the big battle where most of Balerion, which was the Elf Haven, was destroyed. And so they're like, hey, we could finally rest. It's the Second Age now. We got rid of the guy. He's in the void. And then she says, okay, well, maybe not. Right. And I think this is setting up a central tension of the series, at least season one, is like there's an evil lurking out there and we don't know what it is or the nature of it or, or really what's going on. So I think that's going to play through this first season as a, as a main plot point. Yeah, I think there's going to be some denialists. Mm-hmm. I, I, it seems like Elrond might be a denialist based yeah. on the dialogue we saw in the teaser. 100%. Oh, uh, and while we're on the subject of Morgoth, I think Morgoth is somehow in play. And remember, everyone, Morgoth is Sauron's boss, who was defeated in the First Age. But uh, there was a a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive image that I think that they played in the main hall that I haven't seen that that, that image in any other materials. And it was uh, a looming shadow of a creature over the trees, I think it was. And a lot of people think that that was Morgoth. Yeah, it might be in some kind of flashback, or maybe it's just symbolizing his influence still lingering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I'm hoping that they're not going to be like, oh, no, he's still in play. I, I, I think that the the biggest thing about the Second Age is that Morgoth has just, like, ruined Middle-earth for a while, and it's, it's really in disarray. And uh, it's the influence of Morgoth and Sauron taking up that mantle that really is the main conflict. Right. Okay, so then we jump over, and you think this is Linden, this next little forested city where we've seen before. 
Yeah, I think so. And that okay. that was in the main teaser too. Right. And that here we see we hear Gil Galad saying, "Today our days of peace begin." And then he places a uh, crown of gold leaves on Galadriel's head, and she's surrounded by a group of knights. Yeah, I'm wondering why he's giving her a crown. Now, there's there's a couple things it could be. She did found the capital city of Eregion, which is uh-huh. where Celebrimbor rules. Mm-hmm. So it could be maybe either him crowning her the ruler of there because he's high king of all these elves in the West. Or it could be something happening with her going to Lothlorien and starting to rule there, although that that usually is placed in the Third Age in the writings, but we could maybe see them fudging that a little bit. So all of these knights that are standing around her, they all have the same gold leaf um, uh, headband uh, that she's wearing. Um, and how many how many rings did the elves get? Three? They just get three, yeah. Okay, and, right. Um, we we talk about that in one of in I think the fourth chapter right. of uh, the second age. Right. I was just counting here because um, I uh, one of the other things that I noticed was in the one of the previous teasers. There's some shots of some men crossing the frozen some frozen terrain, and I was trying to count to see is this her party? Are they on some sort of mission? But this is like a peaceful coronation thing. So I'm not really sure what they're giving us here, whether they're they're saying, hey, you're in charge of this area now, or we're giving you a little blessing before you go off on this uh, secret mission. Yeah, I don't know. I still think that the ice bridge was the Helcaraxe that we talked about last right. time, which was, you know, this bridge that Galadriel and Fingon and some other elves of the Noldor that Feanor kind of spurned. Uh, that's how they got to Middle-earth instead of on the ships. Right. So I still think that's that. I could be wrong, but we'll see. So then we hear uh, Galadriel say, we thought our joys would be unending and we thought our light would never dim. And we've got a couple of shots here of a dinner party and some children running along a river and then uh, like a some sort of piece of cloth with a symbol that I haven't uh, been able to make out. I think it may be some Numenorean men. I'm not sure. And then we get a picture of a boat facing the light. So let's break some of those down. Let's start with the dinner. Yeah, so I you can see who's in the dinner at least partly. Uh, it starts off with Doran the Fourth. We think that's Doran the Fourth. It looks like the son of the king Doran the Third. Um, on the left, we then see Elrond sitting there. We can't see who's in the middle. Maybe it's Galadriel. Who knows? Uh, then you got Celebrimbor and Gilgalad, and then there's people with their backs turned. They could just be extra elves. They could be main characters. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I think there's some. Oh, right, with the three people sitting and looking at it, they're definitely in a forest setting. Mm-hmm. You can see the trees in the background, and I don't wonder if this has to do with uh, the Mithril and uh, Durin saying something to the in one of the previous teasers about this, you know, beginning a, a new age. So you know, maybe there's some, you know, conversations happening here in terms of uh, uh, new trade with uh, with this material. Yeah. So the capital city of Aregion where Celebrimbor rules, is literally next door to Khazad-dûm, which is mm-hmm. what becomes Moria. So there there was a good relationship between those two cities. So I'm sure that we'll see some kind of chummy uh, conversation going on. Well, certainly, and we have some shots of, of uh, some visiting going the other way, too, to Khazad-dûm. So. Right. 
All right, so then we get a little shot of some uh, children running along uh, the river based on what they're wearing and this little boat. I guess the, some speculation is that these might be some elven children, but we're not sure. Yeah, I think that's what they're telling us, but I, I'm not sure how they're going to portray uh, elven children in this. I Somebody even made a suggestion out on the internet uh, that this might be a Galadriel flashback, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I could see... And- I could see so many things being Galadriel flashbacks of just her in uh, Valinor, her in Middle-earth earlier. That sort of brings me to a a general point, too, just about a lot of this stuff here um, that we've we've gotten so far, that I don't wonder if we're seeing multiple timelines here. Uh, Certainly, we're jumping around a little bit, but I I don't wonder if we don't have, if they're not going to do what is kind of a popular thing in a lot of shows— where you've got overlapping timelines and whether and it's not necessarily flashbacks per se, right? It's not a character remembering something, but actually con- t- different timelines all being layered in in the storytelling of the show. Yeah, I could see like cold opens with the mm-hmm. story of Feanor and the Silmarils coming to Middle-earth and things like that. Um, I would love to see that. I hope they do. Uh, so then we see this shot of some men, um, some males, actually. And I can't, I think they're men because you can see the ear of one of the guys and it's not pointed. Mm-hmm. And they're shaking out some sort of uh, cloth that has a symbol on it. And that we can see a little, um, I don't know the technical nautical term of one of these things on the front of a ship, of a small boat. Um, but, I, and, but based on what, what we can see what these guys are wearing, it, it seems Numenorean to me. I think so. I think that's right. Yeah, But it's a little too quick to tell. Yeah, it's a very quick shot. And then we have a, a picture, which we've seen a lot of these, of an elven ship uh, sailing into a light with some white birds swirling around. And I'm pretty sure that that's uh, Galadriel at the front of the ship. I think so. Who knows where they're sailing, but I, I, I do think that that's some elves sailing somewhere. That is definitely an ethereal light and a very specific light. Uh, I... I I don't wonder if this is a tree. This is light from a tree. Could be, or it could be like when the sun first rose or something like that. Oh, that'd be interesting. Um, That'd be cool. Or it could be, it it could even be, like you said, the trees, and it could be when the elves first went to uh, the Undying Lands to see the trees. Right, so this is where we're bringing in a lot of different potential storylines here. Yeah. And I think the editing of these trailers is definitely... Not misdirecting us, but there's, they're, they're, they're interweaving a lot of different potential storylines. Yeah, and again, we're going to be talking about the elves going to the Undying Lands on this coming Monday. So uh, join us for Chapter 3 if you want to hear more about that. Yeah, that was really helpful for me for not having know, known a lot about the deep, deeper lore, uh, lore of elves. So yeah, it was really good for me too. Um, our next shot and voiceover, we have Sadak Bar- Bar- Barrows, Sadak Barrows, who's an Harfort elder, and he's saying that the skies are strange. Yeah, uh, we don't know much about his character yet, since all the Harfoots are fan fiction. They're, they're right. all non-canon. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I guess the skies are strange. And I do like the brooch that he's wearing, this arrowhead uh, thing. It almost makes me, I'll point out Arondir, uh, Arondir's uh, later, but there's some interesting similarities there. Yeah, I like a lot of the costuming. It's very yeah. unique. Yeah. Then we have a, a quick cut of Arondir and Bronwyn standing under the meteor streaking across the sky. And I heard in an interview, a cast interview somewhere, that uh, Arondir and Bronwyn are in the Southlands? 
they named a fictional area where they both live. Okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but they're both non-canon characters, uh, right. and they're they've crafted this elf-human relationship. I don't recall if there was ever a male elf and female human relationship before, okay. uh, but it seems interesting. We'll see what they do with it. Sounds good. Okay, so then we uh, we cut over and um, we hear uh, Queen Regent Muriel. Uh, Talking to Galadriel, she says, it is here, Galadriel, the moment we feared. And we get a shot of a tower over a city at night. And then we cut to uh, Muriel, the queen regent, and Galadriel, uh, uh, Muriel's revealing a seeing stone, one of the Palantiri. And Galadriel puts her hand on it, and it, we zoom into the, the Palantiri, and it starts to sort of ice over and crack, and then we go into a series of flashbacky style visions. Uh, at least that the, what the editing is is giving us, um, uh, wanting us to feel like these are sort of visions and flashbacks. Yeah, who knows how much they're misdirecting with <laughs> these edits? Yes. <laughs> now I did see some fan, you know, some some concern in the fandom that um, uh, Muriel and Galadriel never met in the writings. Can you? Do you have a, a point of view on that? Yeah, so they've dramatically expanded Muriel's role. Okay. Because mm-hmm. she either didn't rule or only ruled for a very brief time, according to the writings. Mm-hmm. Uh, her father, Tar Palantir, mm-hmm. which, you know, shares a name with the Palantiri. Right. Uh, he was the one who was really usurped. Okay. Uh, she was involved. She was basically, like, forced to marry uh, somebody and, and to... to get that person onto the throne, but she wasn't really a ruler in her own right, at least not that we have in the writings. She was only briefly okay. there. Uh, so they've just expanded it a lot. Galadriel, uh, as far as I know, never went to Numenor. Right. So, yeah, this is just a totally non-canon thing, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, and, and we're going to address some of these issues of fandom and and people being upset at sort of, sort of at the end of the uh, here, but we... We certainly know that the showrunners are in communication with the Tolkien estate. There's been some publicly acknowledged information about that. I think one of the one of the descendants of Tolkien is is principally is is involved, and so um, I think they have a lot of room to to fill in some of these details here. So, yeah, one of his grandsons is directly involved with it. So right. I I feel good about how they're treating it so far. I haven't seen anything egregious. Okay. Right. All right. So then uh, there was an interesting thing, too. Uh, just at the very end of the the, uh, the Palantir ice kind of ice cracking, there's a shot of Galadriel that's just buried just at the very last second uh, of her standing in a blue dress uh, looking over her shoulder. So there's definitely some embedded uh, edits in this whole teaser. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. It's the same dress, it seems like, that she was riding a horse on uh, yes, in the I main agree. teaser. I totally agree. Yeah. So then we get into a, a series of cuts um, that, let's see here, where we see some orcs under some canvas. We see a big fight scene and some explosions between uh, some people and probably some orcs. We see a man uh, facing off against what we think is an orc. We get a cut from the red, we think, a water scene where somebody's got a spear through them. Mm-hmm. Galadriel uh, over somebody who, see, who has passed away. 
And so let's cut, talk about those really quick. Um, this orc thing is very blurry and sort of uh, uh, just sort of uh, uh, atmospheric in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that could be any kind of battle. We, we yeah. have no context for this. So I guess we'll get some action scenes. I do have some notes on this when we talk about orcs later, but notice the coverings. I think that's a very significant thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the odd robes that they're wearing and whatnot? No, what's over them. Look at the... Look at, okay. Look at, yeah, see what's over them, uh, that yellow and white stuff? We can talk uh, about interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it when we get to... There's Because there's more shots where we can really see that much clearer. Yeah. Then we get this big battle. I don't know who that man is in the, uh, in the, in the middle of the battle. Somebody but. said, I think these are elves based on the oh, helmets. Oh, yeah, you know what? His ear does look a little pointy. Mm-hmm. And the armor and the helmets. Yeah. And some, and some comments on the internets say that this might be uh, Galadriel's brother. Hmm. Finrod, are they saying? Yeah, I think. Okay. So we should talk more about that with the shot of her over the body. Yes, we should. Um. The next one we, we talked about a lot in the last mm-hmm. teaser because that, that was in there. We think that's the first Kinsling. Um, if you want to hear more about that, you can go back to the main teaser or we do discuss it in this upcoming episode about the elves. And I definitely, in the in that teaser uh, recording, you said that you thought that this was underwater. And when I looked at this a lot closer, up at the center point there of that building that looks like it's going up, that definitely is water ripple. So I definitely agree that this is underwater. Yeah, I, I don't think this is in the air at all. I think this is definitely water. Yeah. Okay, so now uh, Galadriel over uh, somebody who has died. Yeah, so I have two theories of this. One mm-hmm. would be in line with that other theory that you mentioned, which is mm-hmm. that it's Finrod, who is her eldest brother. He was killed by one of Sauron's werewolves, but also kills the werewolf and saves Beren from Beren and Luthien. Okay. Uh, so that could be one. She could be, you know, mourning him. Uh, and he also has scratches on him, yes. so that would be in line with the werewolf yes. thing. Yes, looking at that bicep and onto his forearm like he got raked at one point. And there's something definitely on his chest and his head. Yeah. My other theory, which is less plausible but still possible, is that it's Fingon, who is mm-hmm. Gladriel's cousin, who led them through the Helcaraxe that we saw. Okay. Um, he was killed by Balrogs. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so, so I could see them bringing him in, bringing him in in a flashback, so that Galadriel's like, "Hey, I know what serious a threat the people in Moria are facing." Right. Or I could see this whole Finrod thing. Now, notice uh, the dagger that's on his chest. I think that might be the dagger that we see in one of the um, not production stills, but one of the publicity shots. There's a, a, a woman holding a dagger of some kind that has mm. a sort of a two trees motif on the hilt. And I, I don't wonder if, the, if this is that dagger. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. So. All right. Next, we go to um, Galadriel saying that the evil does not sleep. It waits. And we have a scene of a tree. And then we have a scene of Muriel walking in the street. And I believe that's Farazone in front of her looking up at the sky and seeing petals that, at least from the editing, they have indicated to us that the, the tree is shedding petals and that she's looking up at, at these as they're falling down on her. Yeah, um, it could be that. So I think that that's Nimloth, the white tree of Numenor that becomes okay. the white tree of Gondor. Um, And it it looks like maybe the tree is in trouble or maybe this is a natural thing that happens to the tree. I don't know. Mm. Uh, But we'll see. 
Right. And then, so yeah, so then we got Miria looking up, and I'm, I bet that that's Farazone there, and they're off to go do something. Yeah. Um, They've changed his character a lot, too. Okay. He seems to be more advisory in this. He's, he's less make Numenor great again, and he's more slippery. Okay. <laughs> and I think we, uh, somebody in the Discord today just posted about, Comrade Rosa just po- posted something about that and the uh, conversation with the actor. So definitely uh, I'm mm. going to check in. I didn't get a chance before we started recording when, when I saw that comment pop, but um, there's, there's some interesting stuff out. The cast are talking about their roles and their characters. And so there's uh, some more information that's, that's out there and available to them. Yeah. So then we cut to a scene of this mysterious whitely clad figure with two people standing on a cliff and then we cut a close-up of that what we think is that same person who a lot of people are calling eight mile sauron but i don't think we think that this is sauron will the real sauron please stand up That was just a softball. I was just like, here, hit this. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not Sauron. They've, okay. they've confirmed that it's a it's a woman. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's it's somebody in the cult of Sauron, it seems like, but not Sauron himself. Oh. Cult of Sauron. So is that new? Um, so Sauron does start basically a death cult in Numenor. Uh-huh. But it's, it's more direct than it seems to be here. I think that they're having him be a little bit more underground about it than he was in the books. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Well, it's definitely uh, like a cool antagonist that they're setting up here. I I really love uh, the shot of this actress here uh, looking sinister. Like, that is such a great look that that is being given there. That it's just like, ooh, like, who is this? Like, this is not a good situation. Yeah, I like the design generally. I, I'm not sure how I feel about the buzz cuts generally. Uh-huh. I think that uh, I, I've always appreciated the hair design in Tolkien, in in like the Peter Jackson movies and sure. and other things that I've seen in this show. So I, I don't love the fact that we have buzz cuts, but it works for this character, I think. Okay. So then we cut, and I think we hear, it might be Durin the Fourth, the prince, um, saying, Beyond the darkness, tempting shadow to bury us all beneath the mountain. And then we get a series of cuts where I think this is a dwarf guard based on the helmet design walking through some doors. And again, I think the doors are very dwarven. Hmm. And then I think we see, um, was that uh, Elrond being escorted across a, a bridge? I think so. We we had some debate on the main teaser over whether it was Elrond or Celebrimbor, but I think it looks mostly like Elrond in this shot. Right. So we and we think that this might be Casa Doom, and we see some great walkways going around, and we got some other great shots from this before. So it'll be really fun. I'm I'm really excited to see the this dwarven city in like full activity, you know, and and uh, a place where it's actually lived in. I'm I'm really excited to see how they um, how they bring that to life um, with all the magic, you know, of uh, of movie TV movie making. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things. I'm I'm excited to see. Uh, especially because we got to see the ruins of it in the Peter Jackson trilogy, yeah. and it'll be nice to see what it looked like in its glory. Totally. So then we got a picture of uh, Durin the Third, the current king, uh, sitting in a throne on a throne, looking out over, uh, prob- you know, probably uh, Doom. And then we see a shot of uh, the two Durins talking. Um, while uh, this voiceover has, ha- has happened, and when they're talking about. Uh, darkness and shadow Mm -hmm. 
Oh, you know, to bury us beneath the mountain. Huh? That, that That's also very ominous as well, considering what we get at the very end of this trailer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's spooky. Yeah. All right, so then we cut um, to Galadriel saying uh, he has not one name but many. That seems very Sauron-y. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then we get a series of Galadriel waking up uh, in sort of a, a blast zone. And if you notice the picture of her eye, actually, when you watch the trailer, she's upside down because her eyelid opens the other way. Hmm. And Interesting. She's, yeah. And so I think she's been knocked over and then we see her getting up and then she's sort of in this, what I think is a village. Now, at the very end of this trailer, we see a scene of her standing, closing her eyes, and we see some wind gusting off. I think whatever detonated here leveled this village and knocked her down and then that this is her waking up after this uh this detonation interesting yeah i'm I'm looking forward to seeing this i mean i i can't imagine anything that i know about already that would leave galadriel in this crazy situation yeah this is and this is a wild situation like it's a whole lot of people just got nuked and um she survived somehow so mm-hmm uh, then let's see. Um, I'm not sure. I think we just keep rolling here. Yeah, we keep rolling here with the dialogue. So that that the last dialogue was just about um, he has not one name but many. Can you mention about Sauron and his many guises? Yeah. So Sauron can shapeshift. He he can choose his form. Pretty much all of the the Ainur, the the Valar, and the Maiar, uh, which again we got into on the prologue episode. Um, they can pretty much all choose their form, uh, except a few exceptions like the Istari. Uh, but Sauron at this point in time can still change his form a lot. He was the Lord of Werewolves in the first stage. He, you know, he could take the form of a giant wolf. He could control werewolves in general. Uh, and in the second age, he was known to try to take on a fair form and sort of trick people into following him. Okay. Interesting. Uh, then we get a cut of this, uh, very evil looking mountain fortress and then, uh, some sort of symbol embedding itself in some ice, uh, thoughts on this. So the fortress is inter- interesting because it doesn't look like Barador. Uh-huh. I think it might be a flashback to Thangaradrim, which is a mouthful, but that is, uh, Morgoth's fortress mountain fortress yeah yeah uh, so i i think that would be really cool if it is yeah and then we get a symbol so that this symbol that starts to etch itself out in the ice we're going to see it later i really think it looks also like this sword that we're about to see and, and it's also in the same same shape as this fortress spires that are coming up yeah i could see this being sort of a symbol of sauron it, uh-huh. it's the maze of this uh <laughs> this series right uh the the maze from westworld yeah, exactly. Right. Good point. Some puzzle box action. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
Then we jump over and we have this unknown man grabbing the arm of a young teen and uh, forcibly asking him, have you heard of him, lad? Have you heard of Sauron? And we see him sort of jerking his uh, arm, uh, uh, the old man jerking the the arm of the young man who then looks up. Um, And we think this is a character named Theo. Yeah, so Theo is a character that, again, is not in canon, but it's the son of Bronwyn. So it's going to be a human kid. I think that that's him. Okay. And we don't know who this guy is, but it seems like they're sort of in a desperate strait and, you know, they're, you know, maybe uh, unhoused kind of people or something like something's going on or refugees in some way. Something that I did notice is that the boy is looking, Theo is looking at his forearm and when he gets his arm pulled, there's a quick cut somewhere where you can see like uh, some black marks on his forearm. And my theory is when we get to the scene a little bit, when the sword reconstructs itself, I think he's been burned by that sword. Yeah. I, so that sword looked a lot like a Morgul blade like you saw in the Peter Jackson trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so it could be, yeah, he was burned by that or something. I hope he wasn't stabbed by it because otherwise... Uh, a lot, of, a lot of things are going to happen. A, yeah, well, even b- being b- burned by that. Yeah. Um, and then we have, um, I don't, I think, is this where Galadriel might say, if the evil rising is left unchecked, it will take us all. And then we jump cut to Bron, who we think is Bronwyn hiding in a closet. And then they cut again to a creature uh, clawing its way up out of uh, the ground, somehow coming up through a hole or something like that. And then they're making us believe that she's hiding from this creature. Yeah, at least that's what the editing says, but they could do anything yeah. in a trailer, so we'll see. I think uh, I think this is some uh, uh, creature, some orc or something like that. I don't think this is Sauron, personally. I think this is a monster of some kind. Yeah, I'm not sure. So then we cut to um, Theo holding a broken braid. It also re- reminds me a lot of Narsil in the Peter Jackson movies when um, when uh, Aragorn is looking at that sword um, in some ways. But then it starts to reconstruct itself sort of in fire and smoke. Yeah, I, I really do think this is a Morgul blade of some kind. Who knows where it came from? Can you give some lore about what a Morgul, quote unquote, Morgul blade is? I mean, we know of them from the movies, but like, what's the what's a little bit of lore on those? Yeah, they're a little mysterious. Uh, they Frodo is basically told that after he's been stabbed, he, he'll become like all spirit. He'll be like in the spirit world and become a wraith, basically. Uh, if it, if it's allowed to infect him further and allowed to go farther, uh, what the elves do for Frodo is they postpone that indefinitely. But as we see at the end of the Lord of the Rings, he still has to go to the Undying Lands to totally be free of it. Do we know how Morgul blades are are constructed, or how they're you know what their intended purpose is, or is it a Morgul blade just like oh it came from you know X Y Z blade shop and that shop is called the Morgul shop or something? Well, Minas Morgul is the city that was once Minas Ithil. It was Isildur's city, mm-hmm. and then it was taken over by the forces of Sauron, which we talked about in the last episode of the Second Age. Uh-huh. Uh, but so that's where they're coming from. Uh, I'm not sure how they're created, but it's some kind of evil Sauron magic. Okay, sounds good. All right, so then we, um, let's see here. We jump 
to um, the uh, some people walking through a frozen wasteland. We see it almost looks like an anvil, a stone anvil to me, and we see this symbol that we think is a, somehow related to um, Sauron again etching itself in ice on a piece of stone. I mean, if it's an anvil, I mean, I'm wondering if maybe Sauron was starting to do some ring experimentation and it left that mark on it. Notice how flat it is. And then it's kind of broken in that one spot. Yeah. It just reminds me of that kind of, uh, of object. Yeah, I could see that. Then we see some uh, some people in the dark. These guys are actually um, holding swords. At first, I thought they were bows and arrows, but it's actually a blade that he's got. Oh, the, fr- you're right. the front two people are holding blades. Yeah. And then somebody in the back has a bow. Yeah, I was tricked. And I don't wonder if these are elves. I I think the armor I don't think so. I think they're men. Okay. Just just the um All right. The armor, especially the head part, that looks very Uh-huh. They're like they're telegraphing men to us. It could be that the person in the back with the hood in the bow is an elf. Maybe it's an alliance. Okay. Should we bet some internet points? We'll try. <laughs> we have a new internet point uh, uh sticker on the Discord, so uh that's kind of a, a fun little thing. We've got a scene now of a giant ice block being thrown at some people. And there's actually something in the ice. If you look at this uh, a little bit closer, mm. there's there's seems like a body maybe entombed in the ice. Huh. Yeah. I, I wonder what that is. It could be a body. Yeah. So there's some conversation that is, is, is this, you know, one of the questions is, is this related to the ice troll battle that we see and uh, we've seen in some of the other teasers? Right. Okay. Then we've got um, a ship exploding. That's no good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It looks very Numenorean around there. So I think that's all that is. Yeah. That notice that long narrow prow that was a that seemed to be the design of the Numenorean ships, where the elven ships seem to have more of a swan's neck bow to the front. Yeah, and the architecture Um, around looks like it has not a lot of greenery, but a lot of like. Fancy port city, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that this is Numenor. And then is some of the armor too that some of these guys. And I was wondering even if like Isildur or one of you know some of those folks were there, or maybe these are just some townsfolks. I don't know. But I, those breastplates look very much like what we've seen Isildur wear. Yeah, it could be like uh, the the Kingsmen, the the pro Sauron faction burning the ships of the faithful. I could see that. Yeah, that's a good point. I t- I totally would go into for that. Then we cut to a scene uh, of Bronwyn hugging, hugging, hugging uh, her son, and uh, we hear her say, "Find the light, and the shadow will not find you." This is, I, I think, the, the next two lines. This line and the next one that comes up, I think, are the two weakest lines of the of this script here. But uh, eh, whatever, that's all right. We'll forgive them a few. Yeah, and then next we see a sinister scene. Uh, a silhouetted figure walking through uh, amongst um, some strangely clad creatures. Huh. Yeah, I, I don't know what these are. You you say you think they're orcs, right? Yeah, totally. I think I think this might be Sauron. I mean, if you look at that hand, those short nails, that gauntlet, and then you see all these creatures sort of deferring and bowing. So... And then we see that those that canopy of, of skins or blankets or whatever they are that's hanging under this sort of World War One style trench warfare, very Tolkien history. Mm-hmm. And then we see like one of them's wearing it looks like a horse skull. Other ones are wearing sort of fashioned uh, things. Aren't isn't it 
correct me if I'm wrong, don't orcs not like the sunlight? Uh, they, they, I think, don't prefer it, but they can go out in it. I mean, you see, even in the Lord of the Rings, they're chasing the Fellowship during the light. Right, but those are those are hybrids, uh, the Urukai that um, what's his name made? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think that these are orcs who can't be out in the light, and then this is how they how they cover themselves to be able to you know operate during daylight hours. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So then we cut to a scene of, um, is this Halbrand walking out in a very Numenorean-looking uh, uh, location? Yeah, it looks like him. He's got some uh, soldiers or guards next to him. And notice the, sun's, the sunburst motif that, the shield, that, the, that they have on their shields. That's uh, something that we've seen very calm, uh, a lot with the Numenorians. Oh, and then notice... See those two round circle designs on either side of the frame? Uh-huh. I would bet dollars to donuts that that design pattern is on the piece of cloth that we saw earlier in the trailer of, uh, when some men were shaking out a piece of cloth. Oh, yeah. That, that would make a lot of sense. I would, I would like that. Yeah. Then we've got a scene of who we don't know. I don't think that this is Bronwyn. We've got a woman standing on um, uh, some sort of balcony thing, and she uh, exclaims, to that if together we can survive this and Arondir is standing next to her. Yeah, so the reason that I thought it was Bronwyn is that Arondir is right next to her and that's her love, that's her partner. Um, right. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really look that much like her, but also it's such no. a quick shot, it could be her just at a weird angle. Uh, so the other option is that it's Aarian, I think that's how they're going to pronounce it, which is this fictional sister okay. of Isildur that they seem to have replaced his canon brother with. Okay. Um, so it's, I think it's one or the other. Got it. And then we can we got a nice shot of Arondir's uh, uh, armor, his breastplate here. It's very and I know in the previous podcast we talked about, oh, like, oh, that was very Green Knight or it's very whatever. But that's very Entish, too. Right. Yeah. I like it a lot. I like the Sylvan Elf design. Yeah. Yeah. It looks very woody and very into. Yeah, it looks very cool. Then we see a shot of somebody uh, holding up a sword uh, over a crowd. Uh, we don't really know what's going on here. But again, I think this sword is an elven-designed sword because I see this design in some other shots. And we've got one shot coming up where, I, I, where Galadriel is holding a sword that is very similar. The pommel and the hilt are very similar. Yeah, the tricky thing is that the Numenorians learned a lot of their crafts from the elves. So it could okay. be either one, but I could see it being elvish. Right. Or is this a, a sword that like somebody picked up? Right. Then we got this uh, cut of this uh, nighttime shot where we've got a group of elves raising their swords in what looks to be uh, some sort of oath. I think that's the oath of Feanor. We talked about that last time, right. but yeah. Yeah. Then we hear Galadriel saying, um, fight with me as she boards a ship. And if you look, you can see the sword that she has in her hand. That looks a lot like the sword from the, the previous cut. And then she's also wearing the dagger, which I think was on the body of the man that she was um, um, standing over who had died earlier. Yeah, I agree with both of those. Yeah. And these are new. This is Numenorean men standing on this ship, I believe, this armor design. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, which makes sense if she's going to visit Tar Muriel. Right. So then she clasps somebody's hands. Um, and uh, again, that looks like the backdrop of that looks very much like they're on the ship. So she's greeting somebody on that ship. Yeah. 
Then we have, I think, what the lamest scene of this is <laughs> of Arondir dropping down uh, from a high point onto some sort of wall battlement type thing and then kicking a stone. This is kicking rocks. Yeah, he's kicking rocks. It's, I think it's the weakest wire CGI work that we've seen so far come out of any of these trailers. I'm sorry. Like, That's okay. You know, yeah. I think this scene is, um, remember in one of the other teasers where we saw a line of orcs coming up a battlement there at night, they're all holding torches and such? Yeah. I think that's this scene, this fight. I think you're right. So maybe he's just pushing it onto those orcs. Mm-hmm. Then we get a shot. Uh, we hear uh, Queen, Mar- Queen Regent Mariel uh, say, uh, each of us must decide who we shall be. And then we see her in some sort of formal ceremony. Yeah, I really like the crown that they made for her. Yeah, it's very It's not cool. super canon, because usually the Numenorians would have sort of a, a jewel above their brow, uh, but uh-huh. I, I still like it. As a fellow parent, do you notice what she's carrying in her arms? Is that a little swaddle? Looks like a baby. That's how you would hold a baby. Yeah, it, it is. So I have no idea what that could be mm. about, this scene is about. But then we have the white petals floating down around again. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if it's an extension of the scene. Maybe that's where her and Farazona are going. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to a scene of Queen Disa um, singing, leading a group of uh, other dwarves in some sort of ceremony. Yeah. I don't know if they're doing a song or a chant or something, but it looks pretty cool. Yeah, and this is the first time we see um, uh, not just a still image of a a, a female dwarf, but actually uh, a moving image of them. So this is really cool. We're going to open up uh, dwarf uh, culture and life uh, to an extent that I don't think we've seen before. Then uh, we see um, Durin the Fourth looking at a crystal, what we think is Mithril. I think that's Mithril because that's what they were mining when they awakened the Balrog. So mm-hmm. and and we see later we'll get to it the the veins of it it seems like right and we heard in a previous uh, teaser him saying that this is the dawn of a new age and we see a hammer smashing scene where they break a piece of rock I bet that's them trying to um, break a piece of mithril yeah all right then we see a scene here I'm not sure where the voiceover cuts in there oh wait let me jump back. Um, we see a picture of Bronwyn and um, Erendir, and then we see a battle charge, which we've seen a bunch of, um, of these scenes before of a cavalry charge mm-hmm. with uh, Galadriel at the front. And then we see some orcs running through the forest at twilight. Yeah, it looks like the female orcs that we've been seeing. Okay, right. And they've got those uh, different sort of, I really am excited to see the practical armor that they outfit a lot of these folks in. It looks super cool. these actors in. Yeah. Then we end with a scene of a sea creature of some kind <laughs> and Galadriel's uh, shipwreck and she's swimming away. Thoughts, ideas? I, I have no idea what that is. I, I don't know of anything in the Legendarium that would explain that. I, I hope that they have something good. I mean, well, you have the, the creature in uh, the, the lake in front of Moria oh, back right. in the Lord of the Rings. So right. it could be, it's not like sea creatures are outlandish in Tolkien. It's just, I don't know of anything that that could be specifically. Any kind of water dragons? Cause we do have dragons in middle earth, right? Not many. Uh, I, I don't think that there's anyone except Smaug at this point. 
Okay, um, then we cut to a scene. Uh, I think we have a, a voiceover of Dur. It sounds like Dur in the fourth again saying there can be no trust between Hammer and Rock. Eventually, one uh, of the other must surely break. And then we see some um, Numenorean soldiers marching. Uh, we see a scene in front of what we look like, what looks like to be a Numenorean city. Mm-hmm. Notice those banisters in the back there on that gate tower. There are they're in blue with that sunburst pattern. But then, if you notice, there's some other little designs in the middle of them. So I'm wondering if these are like sort of individual sigils of some kind. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and then there's a man on a horse, and I don't wonder if that's Halbrand as well. Uh, I think that is Halbrand. It looks very much like him, at least. Okay. Then we got a picture of Durin the Fourth uh, doing that. I, it's another one of those little things that bother me. That 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 little fist in the air to signal stop when you're on patrol <laughs> and you don't want to say something. Very annoying. Uh, that it's a tropey. It's a it's a it's a silly trope. Well, I am sorry that they've angered you. <laughs> but I love the dwarf helmet armor that's standing behind him. That looks really really cool yeah that's super cool is that is that armor or is that like a statue or that's armor actually actually yeah no you're right i can see the eyes through it as you can see a little bit of skin through it yeah totally piece of armor all right and then we go into the uh final sequencings here we see a picture of meteor man and then meteor man with uh, a young nuri it looks like yeah i think so it's a, it's at least somebody little yeah, I think there. I think that's confirmed. I think some uh, people have uh, taken some shots and talked to the, the actress, okay. and, and we're pretty sure that that's Nuri, one of the Harfoots. Mm. And she's the one standing in front of a, uh, uh, a wagon with some scrolls that are tucked in underneath the wagon. Right. Yeah. So Harfoots, that's a big question. We don't know what they're going to do, how they're going to be used. I think they're going to be somehow pivotal. They're going to have some secret knowledge or uh, some connectivity to uh, some... Um, deeper forces at work in, in at play in the world. Yeah, again, I will be a little bit troubled if they're heavily involved with what's going on with Sauron because that doesn't make sense for the uh-huh. third age, but I don't know. Okay, we'll see. Then we've got a fight scene with Arendir fighting what I think are orcs, and if you notice, they're wearing those white cloak things again, and I bet that's skin, and I bet that's what they use to shield themselves from, from the sun. Mm, that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I this yeah. fight scene looks pretty cool. I like the chain fighting. Yeah. And there's other people in here, too. There's another guy in the background with an axe. So it looks like there's like, is this sort of a a prison break situation? Maybe I can see a cut tree and I don't wonder if they're using them as labor to do something. Right. You know, using them as as conscripted labor. Yeah. Uh, Especially what we see later with him with the hands grabbing him. Yeah. Then we cut to a scene of what I think is Meteor Man. And if you look in the background of the forest here, there's some Harfoots there. Yeah. So I, I think that's the stranger that they're talking about. Um, yes. Uh, it doesn't look very Sauron-y, but again, Sauron no. can change shapes. So. Yeah. And I think this this is a very much misdirected cut scene here between because they, they sandwich this in the middle of uh, Arendir fighting with uh, with these orcs. Um, and so I don't know, is Meteor Man the stranger? Is the stranger Meteor Man? Or We, we don't, don't know, know yet. We, we, we don't know yet. So and we uh, see a scene of uh, Arandir falling backwards and some more of these cloaked figures. And then they show us a picture of an orc, again, wearing uh, this white uh, clothing and uh, some sort of helmet and underneath this canopy here. Yeah. 
I, again, I think that's the female orcs they've been playing up. Right. Then we cut to a scene of a, of a village where there's like a gust of wind, and then we see Galadriel close her eyes. And whether these two scenes are connected or not, I feel like they might be. And then like this is this detonation that happens and then where we see her waking up in red uh, a little bit later. Right. Yeah, I could see that, actually, now that you're saying mm-hmm. that. Especially you could see sparks in the shot with yes. uh, Galadriel. And then the next shot that I'm sure you're about to bring up is, has some sparks in it as well. Notice her sword design, too. See that pommel? And it's very similar to the one that was being held up in that group of people uh, earlier on where, where they say, um, uh, together we can survive this. Yeah. So, And then we come to uh, this um, cult of Sauron person um, blowing some sparks out of their hand. Yeah. So I wonder if that is connected, like we just said. Mm. Or is this something else? Uh, I have a little pet theory as well. Then we cut to some scenes of what we think are veins of Mithril. Don't give me in suspense. What's your pet theory? Oh, my pet theory is... So then the next scene after that... Oh, and we hear the voiceover, right? You've been told many lies of Middle-earth, mm. and that's the final piece of dialogue. So we see this uh, person blow sparks out of their hands. We see these dark veins of mithril going, and then we see a leaf that was blown out of the hand fall onto the ground and burst into flame. Yes. Is this something related to, is this some sort of spell or some sort of incantation that at least, you know, I mean, who knows what in reality, but like the trailer makes me feel like this is the Balrog. Yeah, I think it could be awakening the Balrog. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally uh, I'm totally wager some Internet points on that. Then we get a final jump cut, you know, scare cut uh, of Arondir uh, looking really nervous and backing into some roots. And then he gets pulled back into the roots. Yeah, he's got, he got a little sweaty there. But he's okay now. Yeah. He's, he's nice and safe in the arms of an angel. <laughs> right. I don't know if this is him being rescued or if this is him being captured. Didn't look very rescuey to me, but... <laughs> yeah. If this is rescue... Well, you know, they do that, right? Is that, That's a jump scare thing, right? It's like, oh, you know, and then it's like, oh, no, you're safe. It's okay. And if he is being rescued, then I think it's an ent that he's, that's, being rescue, that's rescuing him. Because we did see ents. Hmm. There's a theory that there's entwives. Yes. There's definitely some some evidence of that, even an ant child. Yeah. There were some production stills that showed some ant creatures. Or stills or clips. That would be very interesting. Yeah. And then uh, we get the stinger at the end of a Balrog igniting into flame out of the darkness. He's spicy. Very. Hot take. Hot takes at ballmove.com. Um, no wings on this Balrog. Uh, yes, so far we haven't seen it, but who knows what they'll do in the end. Right. This is a packed, very dense, packed trailer. It is. We had 83 shots we talked about. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. And yeah, and and it's like we've got potential multiple overlapping storylines and timelines. So they've given us a lot of information. It's a lot to process. Yeah, I mean, I'm more excited after watching this trailer than I was before, uh-huh. and the main teaser had already gotten me pretty excited, so I'm really looking forward to see what they do with this. Uh, it seems like there's a lot going on in season one, and I wasn't sure how slowly they were going to pace this story, so I'm excited to see it. I'm really looking forward to finally getting my hands on it on September 2nd, and uh, excited to talk to you about it. 
Yeah, this is going to be very cool. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see not only the canon stuff coming to life, but also the new stuff that they're going to bring forward um, with the storylines. Yeah, same here. All right, so we have one thing we want to talk about. Uh, one last thing we want to talk about, John. And it's a little bit of a, it's not a delicate topic. It's a pretty clear-cut topic, but it is a, uh, I think, painful and but important topic to talk about. Yeah. There has been a lot of strong reaction on the internet that we're seeing that is blatantly racist. I agree. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about this. And we've, we've talked with some other people about it. We just want to call that, that kind of stuff out here, that that, you know, um, that this cloaking oneself in the purity of what Tolkien wrote and what's canon and what's not canon criticizing actors of color who are playing these different roles. Um, a lot of this just descends very quickly into misogyny and racism. And I think we just want to be very clear that we that is no part of what we do or what we believe. And, uh, and I think we just wanted to make a, a clear stand on that. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I don't want to give more air to this than it deserves because it deserves zero air. Um, so really all I want to say about it is this show is going to be good or it's going to be bad, but the skin color of the actors is not going to make it go either way. Right. And, and nor any of this sort of uh, purity to Tolkien's writings um, as code words for uh, racist and uh, white supremacist ideologies. Yeah, absolutely. And um, really, Tolkien was a flawed man himself. He got into colonialism at some points. He used some racist tropes at some points. He also had some good parts of him. He would he he openly rebuked the Nazi party when they asked him to prove his heritage. And um, I think that we can look at Tolkien's work, critique it, take what's good from it, leave what's bad from it, and uh, move on as a fandom and try to just appreciate the show for what it is and appreciate the the amazing actors that, that they've gotten for this. Yes. Absolutely. And I think that's an important thing, too, is, is that we can be critical of an author while still being fans of the work. And it, it's up to us to be able to separate those out from each other and identify those things which, as a society and a culture, we're moving on from versus, you know, enjoying the work uh, as it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right, John. Well, Thanks for taking some time. This is a huge trailer. Uh, like you, I'm really excited to see uh, where we go with season one here. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. I'm excited for everyone to hear the rest of our lore episodes, and I'm excited to start covering the actual show. Okay. Well, uh, next podcast will be on uh, Monday, uh, August 2nd. And until then, uh, we you can find us on the Discord. Um, and thanks for tuning in. The Second Age Podcast is produced by the Lorehounds and published by Bald Move. You can send questions and feedback about this podcast to secondage at baldmove.com. For more Rings of Power content, subscribe to Doug Too Deep on your favorite podcast app. Ad-free versions of this and all other Bald Move podcasts can be yours by going to patreon.com slash baldmove. Check the show notes for reading recommendations and more info. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. 
This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away in timeline order from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the fourth be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>